Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Great people, welcome to episode 174 of the Howie Games. The Howie crew are on holidays, so we are coming to you this week from the rainforests and volcanoes of Costa Rica, up north in the Guanacaste region, for those that like their geography, beautiful part of the world. Anyway, welcome along, as I said, to part A, episode 174, Lauren Jackson, the next chapter. Stand up and applaud Australia. One of the all-time greats in any sport that this country has produced. Lauren Jackson, you bloody superstar. Elja first appeared on the show back on episode 99. Please go back. Go back and have a listen. It is one of my favourite episodes if you missed it. Now, at that stage, Lauren's knees and various other ailments had forced her to retire as the greatest basketball of this country has ever produced. So many lost and left behind And no one seemed to care Those who should seems like they're blind Pretending they're not there Can't they see they hold the key Could make things better if they try Oh my Jaja, tell me why Won't they open up their eyes Lauren was a working mum, had a lot on her plate, then decided to start playing some social basketball at the local gym, named the Lauren Jackson Sports Centre, of course. And things progressed until... You've been selected to represent the Opals at the World Cup, Lauren Jackson. It's not your first one, and uh, hopefully it'll be a great one. This is the incredible story of how LJ went from being retired to once again playing on the world stage, inspiring a whole new generation of kids and showing the rest of us that anything really is possible. Unfortunately, two days after we recorded this episode, Lauren hurt her Achilles playing for the Southside Flyers. Another trip to the hospital, another operation, but still, Lauren refuses to give in. Enjoy the story of one of the great sporting comebacks. The next chapter with Lauren Elizabeth Jackson, AO. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be revealed In King Selassie I Come on children, try it with me We want to reach Mount Zion Welcome to the Howie Games, the next chapter. A lady that appeared on this show in episode 99 during COVID. She was a full-time mum. She was starting a new career and basketball was behind her. She joins us on the show now after an incredible couple of years. Lauren Jackson, LJ, it is so good to see you. And geez, I've got some questions for you. Oh, I bet you do. Um, it's good to see you as well. Thanks for having me again. You look amazing. You look fit and you look fantastic. You really do. Down the Zoom, but by gee, you look fit. I, I'm pretty fit. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy year. So, you know, I've been training and playing and, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's been very hectic, um, but life's good. I want to go into the full details of what has occurred, but I want to play you this. So this is the way we finished in the midst of covid Uh, on episode 99. Exciting times for Lauren Jackson. What's the next 10 years? What's it about? What's going to make you happy? What are you looking forward to? I think every day makes me happy now, you know, just knowing that I've got these two little 
gorgeous. And I never thought I'd be the mother of two boys, but I tell you what, it's been the best thing ever for me. It's again, it's um, changed my opinions and my, my views. And I was a bit of a raging feminist and I still am an absolute raging feminist. I'm proud of it, but um, it's beautiful knowing that the two two things that I care most about in my life are these two magnificent little boys that I'm trying to raise. So it's, um, oh man, that, sorry, that next 10 years, it's about them. It's my kids, you know, and then obviously my job, which I love. I love being an administrator. Um, I'm learning every day. Um, I just, I'm so thankful that I've been given the opportunity um, from Basketball Australia to sort of upskill and grow in the role. Nothing. Nothing in there about basketball. What's it like to life changes, plans change, but that was that was three years ago. There was nothing about coming and playing basketball legend. Um yeah, like it's been crazy. Uh I I guess, you know, I was really sort of happy and content with my life, no doubt. And um I guess I got the opportunity just to start training again. I mentioned to some colleagues at work that I wanted to get fit. You know, I, I, you know, sort of got my life on track, had my kids, um, started working, yada, yada. And I thought, no, it's time to sort of start to feel better about myself physically. So got back in the gym and then, you know, one thing led to another and I was on the court and then someone saw me on the court and was like, oh, come and play for Aubrey. And I was like, sure. It'll never happen, but then it did, and then, you know, then they were like, oh, Opals, and I was like, the rest is history. Like, it just happened, you know. We are going to break that down over the next hour about how that happened, but the the thing that fills me with joy about your story, being a father of kids, um, Lenny and Harry, so how old are they now? Lenny, uh, Lenny is four and Harry is six tomorrow. So I want to know before we get into the details, what's it been like being able to show your young men that anything is possible? I know they've been with you every step of the journey. That like this, this is the question I've been looking forward to asking you for two weeks. Well, it's been amazing actually. Um, I think when I first started this journey, and then was going to play for Albury, the idea of having them come on the road and be around the team and see me training and things like that and then see me play as well was really exciting because I got to experience that as a kid with my parents and um, that's how I learned to love the game and love basketball was just being around the courts and being around my parents' team. So, you know, I wanted my kids to experience that um, to the – I didn't realise it would be to the extent that they have experienced it now and – as much as they have been with me, um, they've had to sacrifice and I've had to sacrifice a lot yeah. as well over the last six months and um, it has been really, really difficult. Um, but, you know, it's not for long. It's not much longer um, and we'll be all back together again, but it has been really hard on them. What have they seen and said about what their mum's doing? Their, their mum was mum and then mum's a basketballer, which is what the rest of the world knew you as, but they just knew you as mum. Yeah, so um, I think Harry sort of knew that I used to play basketball, but he didn't sort of, he didn't realise that, you know, I was a decent basketball player. And then now I think watching me on this journey and it's it sort of inspired him. He loves the game. He knows everything about everyone now in the NBA and the WNBA and the NBL and WNBL. He loves basketball. So He's really enjoying it. My youngest son, he's just like 
I don't really care. I just want you here. And if you're not here, I'm going to be really mad at you. Um, <laughs> um, but they have really loved being around my teammates. Um, the both of the kids, it takes a little bit to get to know them. You know, they're not, you know, the most sort of overwhelmingly expressive kids, you know, with other people, but um, they've gotten really close to my teammates. They, they love being around them um, and the girls have been, really embraced them as well. And how has the separation been for you? I, I spend my entire summer away and I, I find it difficult and then I see the cricketers that, I, that I'm commentating on that have got little kids. Mine are a little bit older now. H- how's the separation been for you? Uh, that's like the hardest part for sure. Look, they've, yep. you know, um, over the Christmas holidays, they've been with me and they've travelled with me and stuff um, with the team and it's been beautiful, but I, I had to actually take them home and um, get them ready for school this week. And I left Harry and Lenny yesterday. And when I tell you it was a day of tears, like even when mm. I got to school, um, you know, I the teachers were trying to console my eldest son and I was crying and I, I left and had to drive back to Melbourne and it was just, it was so hard. And then last night, just on the phone, um, you know, just trying to love them from a distance and, you know, let them know that I'm here and it's not for much longer, but it is really difficult. And I mean, I'll see them in a couple of days, but it just, it doesn't, um, it's still hard. You know, you just want to be there to cuddle your kids and be with them and stuff. So, but look, they know they're loved and, um, you know, I'm not away that long. I'm home as much as I can be. So every parent that's listening now understands every child's like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure what she means, but every parent understands. So, so if you could indulge me, let's go through in detail, LJ, how this happened because you finished your career, I think back in 2016, you finished this podcast by explaining to me that you'd had 30-odd operations and that your knees were completely shot. So we had Andrew Johns on this podcast through Levin Health about five months ago and he talked about the fact that he couldn't move really and now he kicks the footy with his son and he goes surfing every day due to, um, I'm never sure about the exact right term, due to medical cannabis, medical marijuana at and the effect that it had on him, but I know that's been part of your journey. But so, so you're playing a couple of games of social basketball at the basketball stadium named after you, which I think must be pretty cool. Um, how, how's your body before you find uh, what positive effects that the cannabis could have? Well, I started at the gym earlier that year, so what that was 2021. I started. Um, trying to lose a little bit of weight earlier that year. And um, I, you know, went back to the gym and then I got busy at work and my body started, it didn't, my body wasn't great, you know, and I was playing some mixed basketball with some friends and stuff and I'd pull up just swollen and in pain, but I was also quite overweight. Um, And so I, I had the opportunity to go on to this medicinal cannabis trial with Levin Health, which was incredible actually like it gave me the opportunity to get back in the gym and I wasn't blowing up as much as what I had been in the sort of previous six months or so well how long did it take to kick in to where you think oh this stuff that I'm having and how do you take it and this stuff that I'm having what like how long before you start to think oh this is actually doing something I reckon um, it was a couple of weeks, I reckon, before I realised that I was sort of feeling a little bit better. And, and when I read, and I was like, oh, I've been in the gym every day. 
and I actually feel okay. You know what I mean? So it actually was one of those moments. It wasn't like, oh, I feel miraculously better. It was just kind of like, oh, well, I'm still training and I'm not, you know, feeling terrible, you know. So it was more, yeah, it was a little bit sort of undercover how that happened. And then um, I, yeah, I, I went back. I just kept going back to the gym and I said to work as well, I'd sort of been talking to my colleagues and I just said, you know, I'd love to, you know, sort of lose some weight and get back in the gym and train a little bit and see how I go. And they're like, go and do it. You work three days a week. <laughs> like you can get your hours in the afternoon if because like obviously with my kids at home, I could only sort of go to the gym between, you know, nine and three. So they're working hours and they're like, just go and take your time and you can make your hours up whenever. So I was like, oh, that's actually a really good idea. Um, so I did. And, you know, one thing led to another. I, I was, I lost about, I don't know, 10 kilos, I reckon, in the first six weeks. Like cardio training type of thing? No, weights. I was Wait, doing wrong. pretty holistic training. So the trainer that I had in Albury, he used to train me when I represented Australia back in the day. And he was... um great guy, very, uh, it's not traditional training. It's sort of like a bit of everything, you know, the sessions are undercover cardio, um, strength, you know, it's, you finish an hour and you're like, oh God, I actually feel like dying. Okay. Yeah. So it's high intensity. Yeah. So I did that for about six weeks. I wasn't drinking t- at all. I don't think. And, um, you know, I'd sort of put away the wine for a little while, and which is a very difficult thing to do, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Especially with two young kids. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and then, yeah, I, I lost a fair bit of weight and then I thought, oh, maybe I'll go and see how I, you know, feel shooting, you know, and I went to the basketball court and fortunately also my best friend, one of my best friends, he's um, my assistant coach. Well, he was the assistant coach for the Aubrey women's team. Right. So he, we're shooting together. We grew up together. He knows my whole journey, knows everything about me my whole life. And he's like, Loz, why don't you just come and sign with the Bandits? And I was like, you know, that's a it's three months away. <laughs> Chances are, you know, I've only shot for 10 minutes a day. Like it's, I'll sign and see what happens. And I, I don't think I expected I'd actually make it to the first game. But, you know, I just built my way up. Every single day I just went and did a little bit more and then it happened. So a, a couple of questions on that. For, for those not familiar with the basketball pathways, the Bandits are who and where do they play? So they're the Albury-Wodonga Bandits um, and they're in NBL1 East. So they're in and the New South Wales Conference. So do you go from the Bandits then to play WNBL? So they are the step below the, yeah. the WNBL, yeah? yeah? Okay. Re- really, um, oh, never an easy way to ask this question and I'm aware of the sensibilities around it, especially in 2023, really personal question. How did you feel about yourself as you started to lose weight and your body came back to that body that took you to so much success? Well, I don't know. I never sort of, I guess it was more just uh, like I, I feel like when I had my kids, I put on, you know, probably 30 or 40 kilos and I it just happened. It felt like it happened overnight, but it didn't. It happened over like three or four years. And yeah. Um, when I started to like feel like I was losing weight and by doing it the right way, like I was in the gym every, I was consistently training um, and it got to the point where I wasn't weighing myself every week. I was just actually training and not focused on it. Um, I started to feel a lot better about myself and a lot more um, confident. And 
but it wasn't so much how I felt. It was like my body wasn't flaring up as much because the more weight I lost, the less pressure I was putting on my knees, on my back, on my hips and things like that. And to be fair, like to be honest, my knees have been the least of my problems this entire journey. I've got them so okay. strong that like they, they're pretty good. Like they're protected. I mean, they're not great. I mean, but compared to like the other injuries I have right now, my knees are great. So it, it is, I think for me, the losing of the weight meant that I wasn't flaring up as much and, um, and I could train harder, you know. And those first couple of shoot arounds, is it like you go straight back in there and you're shelling peas or is it like going back in there and in basketball terms, you're throwing bricks thinking, how the hell did I ever do this? Well, no, I was shooting really well. So I wasn't doing a lot more than shooting. I was just shooting threes and I was like, God, if all I had to do was stand at the three-point line and shoot, I'd be okay. (laughs) But it's the running up and down part that I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And so I think that was probably the first thing I was like, oh, well, at least I can still shoot, you know. And then then I just started building up. I played a lot of one-on-one. So Sam, my best friend, he – uh, he's six four probably, um, and we sort of graduated from just shooting to doing a little bit of you know one on one in the post, and then I'd start working on like jump shots, and it'd sort of be like two steps forward, one step back. Um, you know, I'd have a session where I was moving a little bit more, doing things a little bit more aggressively, and my groin would get sore or something would happen and then I'd sort of have to slow down for a week and then I'd be able to come back and I'd be able to go a little bit more, you know what I mean? So it was really, um, I really had to buy into the process and of consistency in the training as well. Like, and that's something that I never did really during my career as a young athlete. I never really had that mentality, whereas now, you know, I will go to the gym every single day, even if I don't feel like it, but I know that that's the only way I'm going to be able to get back out on the court is that if I keep my body strong. Um, And, yeah, it is, like I said, it's just a process. Like you've just got to go through the motions and do the little stuff. And that's all I did, you know, every – and it wasn't like I was training a lot. I reckon I did probably like an hour and a half every day. It wasn't – like, and then as the training got harder and then I, you know, I was doing team trainings of a night time as well. Um, that's when, you know, the time consuming the physio treatments and things like that start to pick up and that's when <laughs> things got a little bit more real. Back to LJ in a moment. Next week on the show, I'm telling you, this is an episode like none we have ever had before. I can promise you that. Three guests in one show, three larger than live characters who are also mega athletes and mega entertainers. We are stepping into the world of professional wrestling and it is great fun with Big E, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, a.k.a. The New Day. Three men who I guarantee you will change your perceptions of just about everything. I love this episode coming up. The wrestling aspect, yes, extremely important. Understanding how to keep yourself safe and your and your dance partner safe in there. But if you can't get people in that crowd to uh, pay money to come and see you because you're interesting, then wrestling's not going to really work out. And so that's something that we really work hard on to make sure that people can relate to what we're doing and that they can grab onto it. Something that little kids can, you know, impersonate with their friends. Uh, you know, get Halloween costumes. Anything that you can kind of make fun of 
is something that you can build on character wise. Yeah, so that, that's it's really crazy too, just because like, so we've been talking about this in a lot of different interviews about how rigorous the training is in the physical aspect. And this is something that we know, but when you really like sit here and talk about it and, and the amount of time that we put into just getting the basics right, doing the roles and making sure that everything is done to a point where you can't get hurt, the grand scheme of things, that's not the most important thing, not even by a long shot. It is the character that is important, being able to identify with people, being able to relate to people, you know, being able to put on a show that has so many different entities that everybody who watches can have somebody to identify with, you know? So as rigorous as the physical aspect is, it's such a, it's an important part, but I feel like it's a very small part of what makes us successful. We have to be entertaining. We have to be able to draw people in and be interesting and then do it in a different way. We have so many people on the roster yeah. that have these personalities. So it's like, okay, well, I can't do that because this guy does this. This guy does that better than me. What can I bring to the table that is interesting, that is different, that is unique, that is going to be able to you know, allow people to invest their time, their money, you know what I mean, their emotion into me? And that's where, uh, you know... That's what we try to find as performers. That's what everyone's trying to really do. If you love wrestling, if you know nothing about wrestling, if you want to wrestle, or if you just want to get a lift and feel good about life, these three men, they are the episode for you next week, the new day. Let's get back to Lauren. What an amazing thing that, and people need to go back and listen to your full episode if they're not aware of your story. Most Australians are, but the uh, the best, and you're so modest in the episode, but let's be honest, the best basketball we've ever produced. You, you were the best in the world. Yet now, at this stage, you're talking about buying that you didn't used to do. How amazing that after everything you've achieved on the basketball court, this has enabled you to learn new things about yourself and performance. I, I think that's... That's got to make it all worthwhile just for that, surely. Look, I think as a 41-year-old athlete, um, yeah, it, it, I would never, like back then I would never have, I couldn't have even dreamed of being able to do this, you know. Um, <laughs> but as an older athlete, it, it really is about the process. You can't um, skip steps. You can't, like, take days off and, like, everything sort of has to be planned. And, um Oh, I'm injured at the moment, so I got in. I'm playing with a broken foot at the moment. Um, so all my on-court stuff has been brought. I can't do a lot of loading now, so it is more about the gym and being in the gym and like doing all of this other stuff all the time. So it's like, you know, I have to. I don't know. It's it's full on. <laughs> we'll we'll get back to the foot. Um, you you were really open when you came on the show talking about mental health and as a youngster how you had separation anxiety and and you'd work your way through that throughout your career. So it, it's one thing to come back and play on the court and be there with your mates and the world not being aware of it. But as soon as Lauren Jackson is coming back to play professional basketball for the Bandits, like then it, it it's it's not an Australia story. It's not an Aubrey story. It's a worldwide story. How did you deal with all of a sudden pressure of expectation again? That's a good question. I I tried to block it out a lot, and you know I'm from Aubrey, so it's not as if I'm not getting a lot of external pressure there. Yep. It's and I can block everything out. I was still working. I was still taking my kids to school. I was literally just in a routine every day of getting up, getting breakfast, getting lunches ready. <laughs> getting the kids to school, going to the gym, getting home, showering and working and then picking the kids up. So it was like I, I was still in my own routine. Um, there was a bit of banter around and a bit of chit-chat and stuff, but in my head, like 
I could never look any further than what was like right in front of me because when I did, um, my head would explode. In, in what way? What, what, what does that mean, your head would explode if you looked ahead? Well, because I think the way that my career ended um, and the trauma that I'd gone through, like with the injuries and everything like that, the minute it got bigger, the comeback got bigger than what it was, I couldn't emotionally deal with it. So this whole, like I talk about the processes that I had to go through to get back to, you know, national team level or whatever. If I didn't take it day by day, I would never have got there um, because emotionally I had to go through quite a lot. And then physically, obviously, I had to go through quite a lot. So, like, it was it was day by day. Like, everything that I did and however it evolved, it had to be day by day. I couldn't look too much further ahead. And it's still the same today. Uh, another very private question. Uh, emotionally, what, what were you having to – we've heard about your story physically. What were you having to do emotionally to accept the journey that you were putting yourself on and putting yourself out there, which is a tremendously courageous thing to do? Yeah, so, I mean, there were times, like, I was training in Canberra. I had to go to Canberra and do some testing just on my body and my knees and strength testing and things like that, and I was at the AIS. And something, like, because that's where my career ended. You know, I was training there every single day, and um, I had a meltdown. Like, I cried. I cried leaving the AIS, and then I cried driving home. I don't think I stopped crying for about 12 hours until I got home to my kids, and then... um, and they were like, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with you? Because I'm not a crier. So, and then, you know, the next day I got up and I was okay. You know, I was able to deal with it. I think that's sort of how I process stuff. But, like, I actually had to go through all of that stuff to get to a point where I knew I was fine to, you know, go forward, to move forward. What What were the tears from? Just the way that my, I don't know, it was like the, um, I felt like when I, I felt, when I retired, I felt like I let so many people down because I, I had a lot of contracts um, you know, I was with Canberra, Seattle, um, the Australian team. I was heading into Rio. I felt like I had actually let just everyone down, you know, and then myself and my family and stuff. And I think um, I don't think I really processed the way that it ended, you know, and then having to go and train after having all the surgeries and, like, the rehab and everything like that. So there were moments like that along the way that were really, like, I really had to, like, come face-to-face with them. And um, and just being in that environment again and training again really hit me in a way that I didn't even, like I had no idea that was going to happen. So um, there was there were a lot of times like that, well, a lot, I'd say probably three or four times during that whole process that, you know, and, and that's traumatic, like that's hard. Um, but I think, like I said, I had to go through it to, to sort of progress to the next phase and, and that's how it went, you know. It, I've heard that your yeah, Opal's teammates talk about what it meant for them to play with you and, you know, they, they had the posters of you on the wall and all of a sudden they're playing with you. The Bandits, like I, I presume there's some young, young athletes in the Bandits. How, and this is no time for modesty now because I'm sure you just sort of phase this out, but how, how were the, it, it's like, <laughs> like your status and Sadly, now it could never happen. But it's like Warney coming back and playing second eleven cricket with Victoria, and there's some seventeen year old playing cricket with Shane Warne. That, that that's what it would have been like for your teammates with you. How was that? Well, 
Yeah, I think it was. But a lot of those, some of those young kids that I was playing with, I actually coached them. So when I retired, I actually coached <laughs> in 2019, the Bandits team for a season. Um, so I did know them and I'd done some individual sessions when they were much younger as well with them. So it was kind of cool to get back out on court with them. And then I had some really good friends who were just, you know, like girlfriends from around Albury and stuff. And um, we've spent time together over the years. So it was just a really easy um it was it was easy. I mean, I think I'm pretty blinded as well. Like I don't sort of think about what other people feel like when they're around me. Um, yep. So it was, yeah, I probably underestimate the impact that that might have on the people around me. But um, they were pretty cool. I mean, they know that I'm pretty intense, you know, and I bring another level of um, intensity to training and competition and things like that. And, um, but yeah, like I, I don't think it really impacted them that much, you know. So you talk about that intensity. How did you go as, which sounds bizarre, how did you go as the new girl coming into a training session when you've seen and been with the best, doing the best, playing the best, when you saw standards that could improve? Did, did you go in in their face or did you go in quietly and say, listen, if we try and do this, we can achieve this? Uh, probably in the middle of those two. Right, okay, okay. Um, I, I reckon I'm the sort of person that, you know, I won't say too much, but then when things start happening and it's like, come on, guys, we need to actually train better than this, I'm probably a little bit more, you know, forward um, yep. in telling people. But that's sort of during training. It's, And then I think just over time that expectation um, becomes, you know, what the norm, you know, they know that that's what they're going to get from me and, it's that's just who I am, and it it is who I am wherever I am. So, you know, and it's hard. Like in the WNBL now, it's it's hard because I can't like physically move like I used to and stuff. So, I still have that expectation of my teammates, but I can't even yeah meet those expectations myself. So, it's um it's it's hard, but that's who I am, and I know what it takes to win. Um and yeah, so so first night. For the bandits, uh, how was it? How did you feel walking into the gym? How, how did the game go? What was the crowd like? Like, what what was the? Did, did you pinch yourself? Did you ask yourself, "What am I doing?" Or this is the right thing to do? How was it, LJ? Well, um, the so about three weeks. Well, actually, one week before our season started. So our season started, I think, like April the seventh was our first game, and then it was uh, then we had a bye or or it was Easter and then we had a bye and then we had a game like beginning of May. So a week before the season started, I ruptured my plantar fascia on my right, on my left foot. Um, wow. Like totally ruptured it. And in my head at that point in time, I was like, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to play again. I've just done all of this work. You know, I'd been training oh. for five months. And Did you do it in training? Did you do it on the court? Or- yeah. Okay. I was training. I, I looked at my coach and I was like, something just popped in my foot. And then I hobbled off the court and I was like, oh, my God, I've something's happened, something's gone. So the next day I could not walk and I called the doctor, my doctor, and I just sort of said I've ruptured my plantar fascia. And he's like, oh, great, you'll be back playing in three weeks, you'll have no more problems with your foot. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's good. So I only missed the first round and then um, I ended up getting back three weeks later to play that first game in um, it was up in up on the north coast of New South Wales. Um, right. 
And yeah, look, I, I think I had like 20 points or something. Marta to Jackson, who fires three. There she goes! Her first points. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I just went out there and played, and uh, I didn't play great. I didn't get in the paint. Um, I was still in a bit of pain from the injury. Um, I shot a lot of threes, yeah, but I didn't do much else. So it was one of those games where I was just sort of getting my feel for it. And then we played in a game the next day um, as well in Sydney. And so it was a doubleheader and I was in a bit of pain <laughs> post that game. Uh, managed to back up. I think I got like 30 points in the second game and I <laughs> the pain. I started posting up a lot more and like tried to get my feel. Now, when I tell you at the end of that game, my body was in shock, like absolute shock. Just I I couldn't, I was just like shaking. I'd, um, it, like, and I think probably for the first two or three months, I was like that after every game because my body just was not used to playing at that intensity. And it, it, I mean, it's NBL One East. It wasn't like the greatest level of basketball either. So, you know, the pain, the shakes, and everything like that. It was it, it was hard, but it was awesome though. I loved it, you know. We talked about um, your teammates. Did you, when you were playing in the East Conference for the Bandits, did you post-game sign autographs for opponents? Yeah, I mean, if, if kids came up and asked me for them, absolutely I did, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, so that's not no, that's not the crowd now. That's that's people you've played against. Oh yeah, no team. Yeah, people that I played against. Yeah, they came up and got photos and like they'd be like, "This is going to come true," and I'd be like, it's "So bizarre," because I'm so mean to them on the court as well. Like, I put, and then they'll be like, "Oh, this is just you know a dream come true playing against you," and I'm like, "Oh, Lauren, why are you such an asshole?" <laughs> That is the end of Lauren Jackson, the next chapter, part A. Plenty more goodness coming your way, so don't be missing it on part B.